Well, good evening. If you don't have a seat, come. There's some up here still. We're trying to fill the tables here uh, tonight, so uh, we are going to do something a little different tonight, but I think you'll be very encouraged by it as the evening goes on. Um, we are uh, going to start doing this uh, just once a month or so. We're calling a, a series, like Table Talk series. So um, one of us, it won't always be me, but one of us will uh, do a short teaching on, on a passage or a topic, and then we'll turn to our tables and have a chance to have some discussion on that. We'll write questions. And in the middle of the table, there's some half sheets. Um, there are some verses on one side that will help you in that discussion, as well as what I'll take you through. And then there'll be questions that you'll have some dialogue. And I think most of the places we have someone who can lead at those tables. And um, the worship team can kind of fill in and grab us somebody if you don't. Um, but we, we're hoping to have um, some men at each of those tables to help out. We'll talk about that in a minute. Well, let's, let's talk about our topic today. Um, one of the topics I want to deal with is what we've seen as we go through our Genesis series is the topic of common grace. Now take your Bibles if you have them and look with me at Genesis chapter 2 and then 3. We'll have your finger in chapter 2 and 3 and we'll, we'll, we want to talk about this because I get this question asked a lot and so I think it's a good topic that we'll see throughout the Bible that God has a common grace. And we're going to explain that term here and give actually a definition to it and then see how that flushes out in our everyday ordinary lines. Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. This is before the fall. Remember, this is Adam. Um, he has not even had the gift of Eve given to him at this moment. Uh, he is uh, in the garden alone with, with God, and God has given him instruction. And here particularly, he gives instructions about handling this tree of life. What, would you, what will he do with this? Verse 16, look at that with me. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. Verse 15, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat. Verse 17, but from the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, one of the things we come to realize is that they did eat of that tree, didn't they? We know they did, right? And with it plunged humanity into depravity. But they didn't die right that moment. Look with me just a little farther, chapter 3, verse 18 and 19. Now we're after the fall, and the Lord is handing out the consequences of man's sin. And one of them we see in verse 18 and 19, both thorns and thistles, it shall grow for you. He's talking about Adam having to now work the ground and produce his own food. Things got difficult. As soon as the fall came, came all the problems that we deal with today. He had to now work hard and, he was, and the fall was working against him, right? Both thorns and thistles, it shall grow for you, and you will eat of the plants of the field. But look at this, verse 19. By the sweat of your face, you will eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and dust you shall return. So a future tense there, right? So they are going to die. Now, think about this with me for a little bit. Adam and Eve have sinned, and because they sinned, they're worthy now of eternal death and separation from God. That's just a, a clear statement of all sinners, right? Every human who sins today is now put under the wrath of God, right? And, and that's even from conception. 
And we do see God not give that full judgment of sin right away, does he? Because Adam and Eve go on to live. But we also do see Jesus from time to do, do show, God show his wrath. Um, remember in Genesis chapter 6 where the angels, we talked about these sons of God are, are now intertwining with the sons of men. And then we looked at 2 Peter chapter 2. In, in verse 4 it said, For God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to the pit of darkness reserved for judgment. So we do see times where God acts swiftly with judgment, and he did that with the angels. But most of us, human beings, do not see the full wrath of God immediately upon sin or even conception, right? Most people are born and they live lives. So Adam and Eve did not die immediately, and everyone born after them was born into sin, but they often live long lives and even prosperous ones, right? We have lived somewhat of prosperous life. Most people who reject Jesus Christ live somewhat of a prosperous life. Now, how can God, and here's some things we want to think about tonight, how can God give the blessings of life to those who deserve death. How can he do that? Well, this is our answer here that we find in Scripture. The answer is God gives common grace. And God's common grace is very important to us as believers as we live this life. So hey, let's write a definition. Let's think through a definition of common grace here. Here's just some words I, thought I pinned down today. Common grace is is the grace of God whereby he gives believers and unbelievers uncountable benefits in daily life that are not part of salvation. Say, so let me read that again. I want you to think through this. Common grace is the grace of God whereby he gives believers and unbelievers uncountable benefits in daily life that are not part of salvation. One of the questions we're going to deal with is I want you to look around the room and write down what you just experienced in this room, what would be common grace. You can think about that. We'll get to that here in just a moment. Now, saving grace is the work of a triune God who brings the salvation. God chooses us before the foundations of the world. The Son comes and propitiates. The Father satisfies His wrath on our part. On our, on our part. Um, and the Holy Spirit illuminates the work of Jesus to our mind and our soul and our heart, Right? So, so the saving grace is that work that he does. But common grace is also the grace of God. It's a very much a part of the grace of God. It differs in its results, but it alone does not, it alone, common grace does not bring people to salvation, but yet it plays a great role. We experience God's common grace constantly, as well as people who don't know Jesus Christ. And so we want to see how that affects us in everything. Now, let me give you a couple of thoughts um, about common grace before you get into your discussion groups. I believe in, there are several, and, I, and I've read on this quite a bit, and just my own thoughts I've put down here today. There's physical grace. There's physical grace. We live solely by the grace of God. You are alive because of the grace of God. It's a common grace that God gives to people. He gives a physical grace. You and I have breath. Job chapter 12 verse 10 says, In God's hands is the life of everything and the breath of every mankind. So everybody's experienced physical grace that God gives every day. Man doesn't know it. They, they often never give God credit for those things. 
And yet God gives every man, every mankind on this planet breath every day. That's what the Bible says. So there is this understanding of common grace. We read where, where um, God said, listen, Adam, you're going to work for your food now and thorns and thistles are going to be a problem. But we still get food, don't we? It is a problem. How many have a garden? Anybody fight weebles or whatever? I don't know what you fight here because I don't have a garden. Um, you, know, you have all kinds of bombs, squirrels, everything's in your garden, right? But you still got some food out of it, didn't you? You still went to Publix and you got food because God still allows, even in this fallen world, for us to grow a nice watermelon. <laughs> it, it, it's just common physical grace that we experience. I mean, go even farther. Um, they were put out of the garden, weren't they? They had this beautiful home in the garden, and God put them out so they couldn't get back to the tree of life and live eternally in this dying, dead state, as we learned back then. And yet, they found shelter. And they, and they conceived children together, and they went on to do those things. So there's a physical grace that everyone experiences that most people never give God credit. Just real quick, if you think about hurricanes here, and then out where we're from in California, fires. We've survived some pretty good hurricanes here since I've been here. Sorry about that. Um, I don't know if I brought those or not. But, um, <laughs> but we're, I think most of us are in homes. If not, you've you got a car you're living in. So, I mean, we all experience God's common grace of just shelter. Just think about that. Everyone in the world has those things. So physical grace, intellectual grace. God gives intellectual grace. These are common graces. Now think about this. People go astray from birth, right? The Bible tells us that, Psalms 58.3 and are completely and utterly deprived in sin. Satan's a liar. He's doing everything he can do to destroy God's highest creation. The Bible says he's, he roams to and fro looking for people to devour, and yet God is protecting, and not only protecting, but giving a knowledge to every human being that there is a God. Now, think with me. Romans chapter 1, verse 21 for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. See, the Bible is very clear that every human knows there's a God. That's why when we deal with an atheist, they're, they're arguing against that there's a God, but they know there's a God because they have to argue against it. It's written on the hearts of men, right? John chapter 1, verse 9, there was a true light which, coming into the world, and here's what it says, enlightens every man. So there's an intellectual grace. I want you to think about this. There's an intellectual grace that God gives every human being that they know there's a God. And you and I, brothers and sisters, as we interact with the world, need to understand that, that intellectual grace God gave to them because you can strike conversations with that. We'll talk about that more in your, your um, questions. There's a moral grace. God often graciously restrains people from the full evil they are capable of. There's a moral grace. Now, I want you to think about this. First, start with yourself before you run to the world. Have you ever thought what you're capable of? And yet you have not acted on? Have you ever had thoughts from immorality to evil to violence to whatever else that you realize what you're capable of doing God has an into, uh, excuse me a moral grace that he lays on the man's heart Romans 2 14 and 15 for when the Gentiles or pagans the word could be translated who do not have the law do extinctly the things of the law 
These, not having a law, are a law to themselves, in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, their thoughts ultimately accusing or else defending them. And so, listen, men rape and pillage at night, right? Most of the time. They know there's a God. They know it's wrong, right? And so God has given this world this moral grace, Though man can act against it at times, I'm not saying that he live according to this, but you imagine if God removed a common grace, a moral grace from society, what would happen? Those of us who travel a little bit and get over in third world countries where you don't have police protection, that's all gone. There's no one there to help you. There's no 911 in many, many countries around the world. It's a different world when you go over there. Because something could happen to you and, you know, I've seen bodies laying in the streets and go, what, what, are they ever going to get that? Well, somebody, someone, someday will get it. And there's just no moral grace in some of those areas. But most of the time, most places, God has a moral grace for people. How about a creative grace? Let's get a little more happier here. Creative grace. God gives a, creator, a creative grace. He gives people extraordinary gifts and skills that benefit their lives and others. So God has graciously given people tremendous gifts. In Exodus chapter 31, um, there was a man, I'm trying to remember his name. The Bible says that he was greatly gifted with craftsmanship. Do you remember this guy? He's brought in to to build the ark and take all the gold and mold it. And he's, he's gifted. The Bible says the Spirit of God gifted him with craftsmanship. God gifts this world with extraordinary gifts. And if you like music, it isn't hard to watch some of those shows where there's, there's people singing and nobody knows who they are and they get a shot and you go, wow, where's that person been hiding? You know, or you watch your athletes or an artist or you name it, we see that God's common grace has been flushed out often in this creative grace. How about someone who can cook? You know, some of us throw some things together for survival mode. And then there's others who can cook. They can flat put things together. They smell things, taste things. They can just put things together. Like, How did you do that? Well, I just threw some of that. Did you write it down? No. Incredibly gifted. And a lot of them are on their way to hell. (laughs) If God, by his grace, does not save them, right? You watch the cooking shows and things like that. Think about the creative grace that God has given mankind. It's extraordinary. Um, Societal grace. Governments. Law enforcement, organizations. Just alone, as I said already, that we have an act of law enforcement in our country, which is constantly under attack, but we still have them, praise God. Because if we lose them, we're in real trouble. But he's given that to us. Romans 13.1 says, Every person is to be in subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority... From the president down, except from God, those which exist are established by God. So God has given societal grace to us. We have elections. We voted yesterday and on primaries. And again, it's just the societal grace to keep us functioning, allowing us to live within a society that operates somewhat out of normalcy so we can share the gospel both here and abroad. So God has given us societal grace. Religious grace. You go, well, this is an interesting. I want you to look at this in a little different perspective. 
God provides grace even in persecution. Matthew 5, says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, I talk about religious grace. I'm not talking about just common grace for everybody to worship whoever they want. That's, I don't think that's what common grace was built for. But even within religion, um, what we gather together, when we are persecuted, we get to share Christ to others. You go, was that really a grace to be persecuted? If people come to faith... If we get to stand for our Savior and God who loves us, is that not the work of grace? And we see that around the world. We pray for the loss. We get together as believers and we write down prayer requests and remember lost family members. Sunday after, you know, that text is not an easy text to teach on, on the Holy Spirit and, and blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And there was a couple of people very, very disturbed and struggling with that. And one came up to me and she just began to plead with me that she would beg for her daughter to come to Christ and to repent of her blasphemes against God. And I prayed there with her and I wrote her name down. It's on my desk. I've been praying for this young daughter all week long. Isn't that a great common grace that we have within our religious circle that we can pray for people who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ? The gospel, according, the gospel is a phenomenal thing. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Think of the unending benefits that comes with religious grace. Not only does the gospel get preached in the Philippines and India and Honduras and other places that we are involved with, but you know what comes with them? When I was down there, one ministry we were at, they were giving eyeglasses away. They gave out 21 pairs of eyeglasses at, at, at the one of the churches that we were working with so that they, those people could see. They had no money. There was no way. They're walking around. They can't see. And then a couple of the eye doctors went down, did all that. They shared the gospel with them, put something in their hand that they could now read. See, when the gospel goes forth, God's common grace goes with it. People get fed, clean waters, hospitals, all that comes with the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see a very societal gospel. Last one, just to think through, there's more, but an an influential grace. An influential grace. Think about this. Godly people living for Jesus in the church. Think what comes with that. I was jotting some things down as I thought, One is uh, we educate people. Do you know that many of our families that come to our school don't know the Lord Jesus? Maybe Maybe not the majority of them, but some of them. They have no relationship with the Lord Jesus. But because we're a church that God has put on our heart to train and to teach and to disciple people and to care for souls, we have a school that when they come in and they sit in in one of our teachers' classrooms, guess what they're going to hear? The gospel, in, in all the different aspects of, of teaching. And so there's, an, there's this great influential grace that we have. Lord willing, when newcomers come to our church, people greet them. And they meet needs and they seek to help them. They seek to edify. There's ministries of mercies that the deacons are continuing, got their hands on, caring for people in need. So there's an influential common grace that goes out from the church. Just a couple of thoughts. Think about just some professions. And I'm not putting on everybody just, they're off the top of my head. I'll stay in my notes so I don't hurt anybody's feelings. Think about a godly nurse when you're in the hospital suffering. Maybe she doesn't get the chance in every moment to share the gospel to you, but she treats you as a soul. 
And pretty soon you know there's something unique about him or her, this woman or this man who's caring for you. And, and what a ministry of just first kindness and compassion leading to an opportunity to share the gospel, right? And then think about uh, godly public school teachers. You know, we have quite a few in our, in our midst who teach at the public school system. God has put them in a tremendous place to show common grace, though they may not have the freedom our teachers have here to share the gospel, but God has given them a great opportunity. I mean, just go through down through some of the things, builders and everybody that builds, from electricians to plumbers to framers, everybody, all of that opportunity, law enforcement, retail, go down the list. God gives us influential grace in people's life. And that is a beautiful thing. Now, remember, God will use common grace through us to do several things. One, he'll use common grace to save people. He'll use common grace to save people. Now, we, we can't think that only being kind and compassionate to somebody, will that in itself will bring them to Christ. Because remember, common grace doesn't save. Saving grace saves. Okay, we've got to remember the difference in that. But yet common grace is that, that, that kindness and compassion forgiving one another just as Christ in God forgave you. So if you're kind and compassionate, it leads to the next subject. Why are you so kind and compassionate? Because God in Christ forgave me. That's why you feel my compassion. See how that's a stepping stone? It's a beautiful stepping stone. Instead of fighting with somebody, uh, you know, temptation is when you get in a wreck to get out and, you know, go crazy at the person that hit your car or something or run a cart into it. Instead, being kind and compassionate, realizing that person may be having a difficult, and they go, why, why are you so kind to this? Can I tell you why? See how they lead to things. Common grace leads to see people get saved. Um, it displays the goodness of God. Displays the goodness of God. Ephesians 5, 8 and 9, for you were formerly darkened, you're formerly in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth. Christians should be, is goodest a word? <laughs> I look at my wife, it isn't. Um, <laughs> uh, we should be good people. Not trying to gain our salvation because we already have it. Right? But goodness leads to that opportunity to share people of our good God, who they think is uh, distant and at times think is cruel. We are able to share that He is a good God. And we can take them through things like some of the verses you'll see on the back of your seat that He is good. He sends rain and sunshine and plants and flowers and vegetables and all those things to all men. And you can show the goodness of God. He also he, we also demonstrate his justice. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11 tells us that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And he goes through this huge list, right? It's everything from um, deceiving and fornicators and adulterers and so forth. And then he says, but such were some as you. So I love that passage because it reminds us that God is a just God. And yet within his justice, he reserves the right to save people. And I want to make sure I am very clear, because I had to make this clear to a few people. There was always a way back to God through Jesus Christ. 
And though we know he elects people to salvation, we're very clear on that in the scriptures, we don't know what he's doing. And, and that passage Sunday was directed right to the men who denied Christ. And when you deny Christ, what do you do? You die eternally. Period. And yet, has anybody in this room, don't raise your hand, been mad at God and shook your fist at God, maybe even in your heart, and really blasphemed the work of the Holy Spirit in your life? And yet, what did he do? He still saved you. He still opened your mind to those things. And so we remember that God is a just God, and there will be those who have fallen. In fact, the majority of humanity will stand before Jesus, and he will separate the sheep and goat, and he will send them to eternal justice, into eternal damnation, and he will send those into heaven with his Son. He will do that. And yet, day after day, our Lord displays common grace to us. In common grace to the world. One last thing. Um, ultimately, common grace is to bring God glory. Colossians 3, 24, somewhere right in there, says everything we do, we should do for the glory of the Lord. God uses everything we do. The common grace of saying thank you to the bagger at the grocery store, to to seeing somebody who's in trouble and stopping and helping them. Whatever common grace where you show that, that is done to bring glory to the Lord. Not just because we're nice and we're Southern. <laughs> we do it because we want to glorify the Lord. So this is really a wonderful doctrine. Part of the doctrine of grace, when we talk about grace, is, is the doctrine of common grace. So here's what I want you to do. In your, in your circles there, there are, there are three sets of scriptures on the back of your sheet. So whoever your group leader is or whoever wants to take charge at your table, like Daniel, you got that table. Can you take that table? And, and Gina, you got the girls over there. Robbie, I think, has everybody got somebody that can help lead there? I think we do. Um, read these verses together, okay? So think about the common grace we've talked about. Read these verses together and then answer these questions, okay? They're, they're written for discussion, right? And then we'll come back in about, um, about 15 minutes, right? And, and then we'll shout out a couple answers, okay? And see what we've learned. But think about common grace and what God's purpose is it, all right? So get going on this and uh, we'll give you about 15 minutes to discuss these things. If you need help, raise your hand. I'll be wandering around here. Okay, let's, uh, I know you probably didn't get through it all, and uh, I'll get this a little more refined in time. Um, let's just talk, just spin around and kind of look this way, if you can, or you don't have to. Let me just, I'm not going to talk about every answer, because I know you had some great answers there, and I hope you take these things home and, and think a little more through them. Number one, um, I hope you learned something tonight about common grace, but let's go to number two. Just some shout-outs from some tables just for an easy exercise to remind yourself of God's common grace, what, just as you look around in this room, what were some answers that you quickly put down? Somebody just shout out an answer. What's that? Everybody's breathing. There's common grace. What, lights. <laughs> Joni said lights. Air conditioning. <laughs> 40 years ago, we'd be here sweating together, right? Uh, in Florida. I don't know what y'all did back then, but out of mood. What's that? Flat tire. What else? <laughs> Are you talking about my waistline? or um... How about relationships? 
God gives us beautiful relationships in this room, marriage that's represented here, children's ministry going on, common things. People are caring for your kids down the hall. They're safe. You know, there's people outside caring for us. They're on a golf cart making sure that we're safe here. I mean, it's just common grace. It's just a simple exercise when you wake up in the morning to go, God, where's your common grace? Well, the sun just came up. Just like he promised. Right? There's something in the refrigerator to eat. I mean, just things like that. To be taken in mind that God is gracious in those, in those areas. Three, how, how, have, have you, how have you seen God's common grace be an instrument of salvation to an unbeliever. Anybody got an example? Short one real quick. Raise your hand that you came up with that table. Where you saw common grace given and God used that to lead somebody to salvation. Okay, what's this? What's example? Okay, but give me an illustration. Somebody have an illustration that you maybe were involved in where you shared common grace and it led to sharing the gospel and that person coming to salvation. Is there anyone in here? Yes, Lauren. So somebody hired her, gave her a job, was gracious to her, I, and I, I've heard Lauren's testimony, was kind to her as an employee. In the meantime, began to share the gospel with Lauren, and Lauren came to know Christ. So all you that have businesses that can hire people, what an opportunity um, to share Christ with somebody. That's a great example. So that's what we're talking about. This is the opportunity to use common grace to have an opportunity to share Christ with somebody. Maybe somebody's broken down on the road or struggling in a, with their children in a grocery store. Whatever the case may be, that you could intervene there and you never know. You may get the opportunity to share the gospel and that person come to Christ. For in what ways will this instruction affect the way you relate and witness to unbelievers? I guess that's kind of the same answer there. Bobby, you want to add something to that? I know you get fired up on this stuff. What did you guys put down for four? Yeah. <laughs> so God gives us intellectual minds that we know the Lord, right? And you're able to recall things. I mean, the simplicity of saying, you know, God is kind to me. What if you just struck that conversation that God is a kind God? I guarantee you're going to get into a conversation with somebody. Or they say, thank you for helping me with that. Well, man, God has been kind. Now Bobby's mind's working. Go ahead. <laughs> Did you hear that? He said, he said, a great way to strike a conversation is, isn't it great that God gives us a common, uh, common understanding with a conscience? That he gives mankind a conscience. So we know the difference of right and wrong. Using that an opportunity to discuss and lead into the gospel with those things. Um, this is a good one here. Five, if you share kindness and mercy and are intentional with the gospel, I wrote that very clearly, right, to an unbeliever, but he or she does not come to Christ... Has it done any good in the sight of God? Let me read you a verse real quick. Luke chapter 6, verse 35. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself, now listen to this, is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. 
What a verse. That's Luke 6, 35 and 36. Great verse to write down and think through a little bit. He's, he is kind to the ungrateful. We often don't like ungrateful people, do we? It really kind of bugs us. God is kind to the ungrateful. And, and just a great opportunity to realize, hey, there's times you may share the gospel with somebody and they reject it till they die. My, I, you've heard my testimony. My grandmother rejected Jesus Christ to the day of her death. Go, was God glorified in my witness to her? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. And so these are just, I want you to help, just trying to help you understand that we keep practicing these things, though we may not see the answer. And then finally, it has this lesson in, change or enhance your view of how God uses your abilities. Each one of you have common grace, an, an area where you can exercise common grace daily in. And you say, well, man, I, I, I'm really struggling with my health. Does somebody come and check on you? Do you go to a doctor's office? Do you meet somebody at the window there where they greet you and you sign in? How do you greet them? I mean, even to the person who has the have maybe has the least ability to be even mobile, there's somewhere where you can show the kindness of God in a way, let alone many of us that are very mobile who are dealing with all kinds of people day in and day out to share common grace with them. Well, we, we are looking forward to starting in, in the spring or, or maybe in January possibly where we have community groups and homes where we're trying to reach into our neighborhoods and providing and training guys to help lead these type of groups. And we want to do this throughout the fall, just once a month. We're gonna, I'm going to get back to Genesis and in the coming weeks and on Wednesday nights. But then every once in a while we're going to jump into these and just have some discussion. We have some of the other guys teach uh, to help us learn to have good discussion around the scriptures. So I, I hope this is valuable to you um, and that you enjoyed this conversation and, and that you'll continue these thoughts. Maybe these are some things that slip in your Bible and after you read your Bible tomorrow morning or at lunch or whenever you have your time in the Word that you pull these out and think through them and uh, think about how God uses common grace and how you can be a part of that. All right, let's pray and then we'll be done. Father, thank you for a chance to discuss you tonight. Um, what a wonderful time it was just to hear talks around the tables of how great you are, God, and how we see you at work daily. How you show us that you are a kind and gracious God, showing grace in so many ways, and yet man is ungrateful and even evil. And yet you continue to provide grace in everyone's life. And Lord, we pray that we would learn to reflect our Father in heaven, that we would take on that family trait of a God who is compassionate and kind, who forgives. And Lord, may we be those who forgive as we have been forgiven. And may we be intentional in our kindness, our compassion, our mercy, and particularly intentional with the gospel. Lord, so thank you for our discussion tonight. May you have been glorified in all of those things, Lord. Bless these folks. Give them sweet rest tonight as they prepare to go out and share common grace in the gospel with those around them tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen.